Hello and welcome everybody back to Eyes on the Mize. My name is John, and all the way in the Pacific Northwest, it's Ian. It's rainy here. Surprise. Nah, yeah, it's, a, it's that time of year. Um, <laughs> like, one of the wettest, not the wettest, but close to one of the wet, wettest uh, Octobers they've had hmm. on record. Yeah, that's, that, makes, that makes sense, I suppose. It's not bad, though. I don't mind. That's Thankfully. Good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, today is December 26th. Not December. October 26th. Why am I skipping ahead of things? That's John, weird. it's way too far. Yeah. It's October 26th. Excuse me. Um, and this is episode 35, where we're going to take command, because 20, Commander 2016 is coming out soon, and this is spoiler week. Spoilers! Yep. Woo! And first, we're going to turn our eyes to the community, because we had some GPs, and then we had a SG Open. Uh, the two GPs were in Providence, Rhode Island, if I remember the states correctly, and yep. Kuala Lumpur, and I do not know exactly where that one is, but I know Malaysia. it's somewhere in Indonesia it's Mal- or Malaysia. It's, it's Malaysia. Okay, excellent. And, um, well, Seth Manfield won GP Providence with Green Black Delirium, going back to Emrakul, and both Kuala Lumpur and Providence had a very high resurgence of the deck that top baited the Pro Tour in the blue-white flash deck. Well, I mean, like remember we talked about last week, it actually did really good at putting people towards, like, a really good record, and surprise, surprise, it's still pretty darn good. Um, Kuala Lumpur had 28 out of the top 64, and six Providence had and six, six of the top eight there. Um, the only ones, that it actually, it lost to Marduk Vehicles. Actually, those were the other two uh, decks in the top eight at Kuala Lumpur. And it had 19 of the top 64 in Providence. So, Selfless Spirit's a hell of a card. Yes. It has, it, it showed up in little bits and pieces here and there. Um, last standard with Bant Company towards the end. But it has really surged uh, lately. Um, I know it's now a $11 card. So, there you go. Yeah. I picked mine up at two. Also, Spell Queller is also great. And another thing that happened is that Aetherworks Marvel is nowhere to be seen. Yeah. So, John, you want to mention why? Because Spell Queller is a hell of a magic card, too. <laughs> because no matter if you're on the play or on the draw, they are going to have the ability to quell your Marvel, and you're going to be sad. Yeah. It, like, just a quick scroll through both Kuala Lumpur and... Uh, Providence, not a single Marvel deck is in the top 64. And I think there were like almost no Marvel decks in day one of GP Providence, if my if I recall correctly. But still, Bas- it was... basically everyone was just like, "Yeah, that was a flash in the pan." Yeah, don't don't play this ac- actual tournament, Zio. Okay. Anyways, hell of a meta call though. Hell, hell of a meta. That, that that it is. But there was another thing that happened. There was a SCG Milwaukee, which was modern. Which yeah. is our favorite format. Um, I forgot who won and what they were on. Caleb Durward with Bant Spirits. Oh, that's right, because there's a company <laughs> back. Selfless Spirit is a hell of a magic card. So is Spell Queller. Especially repeat when you can ad- put them both into repeat, play on turn four or turn three or whatever. Repeat ad nauseum because it runs four noble hierarchs. Yeah. <laughs> Company's back, baby, but it's back in modern. <laughs> now, the big thing with with SG Milwaukee was not, you know, the fact the fact that Caleb Durder won, which is great, and the fact that it was banned spirits. But there was a how do we put it? Hubbub. A hubbub, a rousing of the pitchforks, if you will, around the Reddit, the Reddit Brigade strikes again. Around round ten with Kent Ketter 
and his op- playing Dredge and his opponent casting uh, Rest in Peace. Yeah, so his opponent was Frank Vanderwall and Bant, uh, Bant Eldrazi. Uh, and opponent, obviously, in Cyborg Game, cast a Rest in Peace and didn't really say anything. Keter had a conflagrate as his only Carnage Graveyard. It's like turn two. Moves it off, like, well beside his deck to what looks like Exile. His opponent goes to do something, and then Keter kind of brings it back into his graveyard. Now, the controversy about this is that Rest in Peace has a... Um, the trigger that when it enters the battlefield, exile the graveyard. Uh, it's a point of graveyard, I think. It's all graveyard. All graveyards. You exile okay. all graveyards, and anything that would go to a graveyard instead goes to exile. Correct. So we have like it's being played a lot of your if it's a white if you're playing a white based deck in modern now because dredge is resurgent and obviously he's on dredge. So. Um, the opponent never announced the resolution of the exile all cards from all graveyards trigger and Keter kind of, so the issue with this is that people are saying he cheated. Other people are saying it's not really cheating more of a gigantic angle shoot in that at this competitive, um, rules enforcement level that the CG opens are at the opponents are expected to make sure the triggers resolved properly. Opponent never resolved the trigger properly. Keter was like, all right, cool, graveyard is there. And then he went to, I think he cast a conflagrate like turn after or something like that. So, because he used it to discard a bunch of cards and stuff. So, the issue with that is, was Ken Keter really cheat, trying to cheat intentionally? Was he angle shooting? The whole thing stinks. Um, we'll, have a, we'll have an actual video link to the Twitch clips because people have obviously, the thing you can do now is make Twitch clips. Um, it, the the auto generated name it, it's kind of funny it's relieve stink bug mr destructoid i love the auto generated names for the clip oh, it's just uh, twitch clips it's uh. yeah so but it's great though because you can actually see the big movement i know john hadn't seen it but he saw it now and it's you gotta admit john it's a pretty big move he made so what people are saying is that since keter moved it off to the side like that his opponent assumed that the trigger was unannounced and resolved however I don't know. What do you, yeah. What's your take on? What, what's your take? Yeah, I know you're a judge. So, what's your take on resolve triggers? Um, the big issue is when it comes to triggers like this in a competitive setting. Is the question is is it mandatory, and are you allowed to miss it? Um, and then that gets into the point of sometimes where you have like detrimental triggers. Like if you forget your dark confidant trigger, well, then you're kind of hosed because that's a detrimental trigger. Um, and I had an instance where my opponent at a, I, at, a, at the PPTQ I was at, my opponent forgot their graveyard trigger for their Marvel. So we called a judge, and the judge says, well, it's not detrimental, so I'm going to ask your opponent if you want to put it on the stack. Do you want to put it on the stack? And I was like, no, um, because I don't want my opponent having more energy. But it would probably be a similar situation there where you didn't announce your trigger, so it didn't necessarily happen. Um, I think that what Kent did while correct is scummy like you know you know what the card is you know what the card does sure you can angle shoot but playing the spirit of the game don't be that guy yeah um the big in the big session what actually kind of came from is like he's a member of team card hoarder which is uh you know if you play magic online at all that and mtgo traders are like the two big online card buying services and like it's essentially to like it's basically the scg or Star City Games of the Magic Online card world. Like, you know, you go to Star City Games or you go to, like, Card Kingdom or whatever like that. It's on that level. 
in terms of um, acquiring cards online. Yeah. So so they actually said that they talked to him about it. They aren't throwing him under the bus with this, which is great. They talked to him like they like basically said like kind of shape up. Um, they posted what they talked about on Reddit in response to all of this, and they didn't need jerk reaction to it. And I think that's great. Like um, that they're willing to at least stick by one of their players instead of just reacting knee jerk to, you know. Yeah. Because like what they, what he did is something that you probably would and maybe should do at a professional level event or a competitive level event where you basically are trying to win at any cost. Um, but I still think it's it's against the spirit of the game, so to speak. Right. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I can argue both sides of this, and I see the points that both sides have because yeah. I mean, it's a, a freaking <laughs> you're you're at a pretty high level tournament, and you want this thing to go well. So yeah. But, and both players at the time, mind you, were eight and one in round ten. So it's like this was a high stakes match. Yeah, and he actually got into the top eight and lost in the semifinals to uh, an opponent because he apparently played very, very poorly and missed a lot of like um, against an ad nauseum opponent because he misplayed against a collective. He misplayed his collective brutality. Um, against an ad nauseum opponent who already had a Phyrexian on life in play and was in like one life. So basically what ended up happening is is he didn't use his collective brutality pre-combat to put his opponent to negative one li- to negative life, which f- with Phyrexian on life, you can go below zero. And then all uh, damage dealt to you is poison. Correct. But losing life will put him at negative one. Losing life is not damage. Yeah. Therefore, he's still like at negative one life. And then his opponent. And then we could have done is he had like 15 power worth of creatures, and could have swung in and hit him for lethal infect. However, opponent also had an angel's grace in play. Was able to play the angel's grace before the damage, so the collective brutality only brought him down to one life. Yeah. He could have eventually. He could have actually won. Apparently, also had a um, nature's claim in hand too, and could have um, shot out the Phyrexian on life once he put him at negative one. So. Yeah. He, he kind of punted his way out of making the top two. But people are like, karma, if you believe in the thing. However, the whole situation thing. But remember, kids, remember your triggers. Magic Online will do it for you. You have to remember which triggers are which in yeah. paper. The big, That's the big what. thing is to remember that when you're at a competitive level event, so this is like day two of a GP, or even a little bit day one, although day one is less less competitive than day two, is that you are respect you are expected to know what your cards do. Do not expect the judge to be able to fix problems because you forget what your cards do. And as an opponent, don't play your – like this is where the kind of scummy thing comes in. You shouldn't have to play your opponent's cards for them. Yeah. So if Anyways. if they're missing triggers, bring it up with a judge and your opponent will get a warning because they're supposed to remember triggers and stuff. Yeah. Anyways, enough doom and gloom. Let's talk Commander 2016. Oh, spoilers, man. So my thing is I play Commander, I think, more than – I know I play Commander more than you do, Ian. Yes. And the, the theme this year is there's always a different theme. The theme this year is four-color Commanders because the Nephilim can't become legendary. Right. Now, we mentioned – we talked a little bit about this when it was announced in the uh, That spring? would have been the spring update, the, yeah. Yeah, the, the spring data dump. Um, we were like, how the heck are they going to do four-color Commanders? Well – we found out, and my god, they're amazing. Yeah, so one, there are just f- five straight four-color commanders. 
We'll talk a little bit about them as we get to them. Then, to fix the problem of apparently four-color design space is very narrow, because how do you go from making a four-color card not seem like a five-color card is kind of rough, is yeah. they solved it by making it so that you can play two commanders at once. Yeah, they have a new uh, mechanic called Partner. This is kind of in line with what they did uh, with the mono-color commander decks um, that had Planeswalkers as their centerpiece. Like, like you can't play a Planeswalker as a commander. However, if it has the specific text, this can be played as a commander, which those five did. They've introduced a new kind of design space where you can have two commanders. So the, the TLDR about the rules is that both commanders dictate your color identity. So uh, oh, all the partners are two colors. So, for example, you'll have in one deck a green-white commander, and then you'll have like a blue-red commander, and you could partner them together to make four colors. Um, the, the commanders, the partners together dictate your color identity. The commander tax, for those of you who don't know, when your commander dies, you can send it to the command zone or it gets exiled or whatever, and it costs two more each time to cast after that. Well, commander tax is separate for each, as is commander damage, because whenever you are dealt 21 damage by a single commander, you lose the game. So they have separate commander damage, they have separate commander attacks, which is which is also great. I really, I really, really enjoy that. That means you also have to keep track of multiple commanders worth of damage. Yeah, which can probably get a little bit... Um, no, it's annoying. It'll be annoying, but I mean, it's not the end of the world kind of thing. Now, so how are the four-color decks being broken down? So each four-color deck will have a four-color commander. It will have a single ally-colored commander, so remember those are the two colors that are next to each other in the color wheel, um, with partner, and then two enemy-colored color paired legends with partner. So each deck will have, a th will have three total combinations of commanders, and of all of the partners, because there are five allies total and ten enemy-colored partners, there are 105 different combinations. Yeah, it's, it's pretty insane. Now, this is with the these commander, pro oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was gonna say with these four, the four color commanders cards, they all have a CMC of four. Yes. Each one of the colors, none of them. We we haven't seen the last one, but they we've seen like kind of sketchy, very tiny, grainy image, and it doesn't have an additional mana cost. So it's gonna be the four colors that you're playing. That's it. Yeah. So let's go ahead and kick it off with a bang, and we're we're gonna go ahead and talk about. The first commander that was spoiled, or the, one of the commanders that was spoiled today, and one of the ones that's got a lot of people excited, it is, uh, uh, I'm going to mess up this name so many times, Kianios and Tiro of Miletus. These are the red, green, white, blue, so the anti-black, so to speak, commander. Uh, they are a legendary human soldier. They're a 2-8. Uh, and the beginning of your end step, draw a card. Each player may put a land card from his or her hand into, onto the battle onto the battlefield, excuse me, then each button who didn't draws a card. It's group hug. Yep. Now, John, what is group hug for those you who might, for, the, for those listening who might not know what that nickname means? So group hug is the idea in a multiplayer game of Magic where it's not you just me and you, it's me and Ian and Lindsay and Danny and Derek and whatever. Um, group hug is, you know what, we're here to have fun, so I'm going to make sure that everybody draws all the cards, everybody gets double mana, I'm going to do things that help the whole table, and then at the end of the day, we're going to make it so that something crazy happens and I win the, win the game somehow. That's yeah. roughly what Group Hug is. Yeah, it, it's one that, like, I'll get a benefit, I'll get more benefit, but you guys will get a small benefit too. Yeah. 
So it's it's great. It's a really great deck for people who like to play the political game. Oh yeah. Be like, hey, why are you guys attacking me? I just gave you guys like five cards last turn. What the hell? It's also great when you do stuff like Pillow Fort, where you put a bunch of cards like Propaganda and Ghostly Prison that tax attackers, or you give yourself Hexproof or Shroud or whatever it is. Uh, Keanios and Tiro are, again, they're a two-way. They're going to be hard to kill without any sort of specialized removal, like because your minus X's, minus X's are going to have to be huge, so is your damage. But that's but that he is the four-color commander. Now, in his deck... They, they... They, that's true. It is it is a pair. Uh, also, but it's all one card, which is weird because we have partners as well. Yeah. Uh, also, Kano Sintero are, I believe, the first gay couple depicted on a magic card, which is awesome. Yes. Um, yeah, so the, the Reddit, not Reddit, the uh, Tumblr side of the magic house is going bananas over this because the card, the art, first of all, looks amazing. William Murai did a great job on it. Um, thing is, if you remember the Guardians of Miletus from uh, the Theros block, which were which was the uh, the statues with Defender, and it mentions in the flavor art they were lovers, like they thought they were like warring uh, uh, rulers, but they're actually lovers. These are them, and you can actually see in the background of the card the Guardians of Miletus being built. Um, what's really hilarious about this card art is you notice that we don't. I don't know which one is which. I Obviously, it's kind of hard to well, tell I mean, from here. Well, I meant no, no, no. I meant like which one's Kanyos and which one's Tiro. Oh. I was assuming left like, to right. Eh, you know, it could be either or. I have. I don't think if it's been actually like declared which was which yet. I, yeah. I didn't read the actual story part that came out today. It doesn't yet. specify. Okay, we'll find out eventually. <laughs> but one of them has a helmet on, but also has a helmet under his arm, and his hand is under his partner's hair. It's I like that. <laughs> yeah, someone else. I saw it on Twitter. Someone pointed out. I was like, he's oh, got a helmet on. And he's got the helmet under his arm. Yeah, I see so it's it. It's like, uh, all right, all right. I see it. Now. But no, these guys are really good. Do we even mention what they? You mentioned what they did, right? Yes, I did. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it for all of them because there's 20 freaking legends in this in the set. Oh no, no, for the four color ones, we definitely yeah, will mention we definitely what are. they do. Now, in the Keanos and Tiro deck, you're going to get Ludovic Necro Alchemist. Um, his mana cost is one blue red. He's a one four. He does a thing where. At the beginning of each player's end step, if if someone other than you took damage, they draw a card. It's weird. Um, lost life. Lost life. Or remember. Damage, remember lost just, life. Yeah. Anyways. Remember, we just went over this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Krom Ludovic's Opus is the other one. He's uh, three blue red. Uh, he's a 4-4 flying haste with reverse surge, where whenever an opponent casts their second spell in a turn, you draw a card. So that's fun. Uh, and then the last one is a very deep flavor cut, which is Sadar Kondo of Jamura who is Gerard Capuchin of the Weatherlight Saga's adoptive father. And he's green-white. Oh, yeah, man. We're getting some amazingly deep flavor cuts here. Um, this whole set, so far, from what we know, we're going to cover more of it, but from what we know so far, it has everything for every player. Like, in terms of... Well, except for, you know, like, the constructive magic player that we've seen so far, because we haven't seen anything... Remember, these cards are playable in Legacy and Vintage, but not in Modern and Standard. Yeah, no, that'd be silly. Also, um, but, Sadar Kondo has Flanking, which is awesome. It's a great callback. I know. <laughs> and that is, whenever a creature without Flanking blocks this creature, the blocking creature gets minus one, minus one to end a turn. So basically, his... it makes it harder to block. Yeah. 
Uh, we're going to move on to the next four-color commander, which is one that we don't have the card for yet. It is Idris, I'm assuming, Maelstrom Wielder. This is the um, blue, black, red, green, so the anti-white. Uh, the deck's theme is chaos, so it's going to be doing a lot of shenaniganry. Um, all we know about um, Idris is that he's an ogre from Grixis who got pushed into the Maelstrom and now commands the Maelstrom at will. Yeah, so um, they they went over. We'll put this in the bottom. That they design the design article for how they decided to pick the themes for these decks and everything of that sort. So, like the one we just mentioned with the guys from Miletus, uh, that is the altruism deck. Basically, it's non-black in that black sees selfishness as a virtue. The the chaos one of the Maelstrom uh, wielder is not white because white is the color of order and structure and it tries to re- contain the chaos meanwhile you know stuff like blue it's empirical experiments that's kind of chaotic because you don't never know what's going to happen black is happy to confuse its enemies you know wild and crazy red just goes elemental level and just you know wild and crazy chaotic green is nature uh nature-based chaos kind of thing like that so it's they all center around a central theme this one's chaos yeah um the Partner legends are are Kaidel, chosen of Krufix from one of the last stories in Theros block when Krufix basically just info dumps the plot onto her and says there's these Frexians, there's this planeswalking dragon, and then there's these world eaters, yada yada yada. Yeah, and you remember, there's some art where he's like just where he's where Krufix is doing the thing, and she's just a normal human. But then when you look at her here in this art, she has four arms now. Well, I think that's. Because all the prophets of Krufix have like astral arms that just kind of don't believe, that just don't listen to them and do whatever they want. Well, yeah, no, I know, but it, but it's it's cool to see that like yes. she's gained that since getting the the info dump on her. Yes. Um, also, her ability is silly. She's four mana for a two four. No, she's a two three, and yeah. then she taps for a colorless mana for each card you've drawn this turn. So it's a combo engine. How good it is, we don't know. But people um, are just like, oh, great. Blue-green needed another broken mana commander. Yay. Here's the, here's the problem. It is very, very hard to make a fair blue-green commander. It just is. The most fair one that we've had is Cassetto from the last commander product because he's snake tribal. Yeah, it's, it's not true. easy, but yeah. <laughs> the other blue-green commander, because we know that they're going to be blue-green, is Thrasios, Triton Hero, who is a merfolk from Theros, but we don't have their card. Or his yeah, card, he, I should say. He looks pretty cool from his art though so yeah, we'll, we'll see what he gets he's just kind of skirting around the, the below it's fine and then the last so. commander in this is probably one of the more the most one of the more recent flavor cuts it's vile smasher the fierce who is one black red for a goblin berserker um that just okay. hits people at random we're getting more of the uh tarkir goblins and i love it the tarkir um, goblin design which is so good yeah and she's a kologon goblin for what it's worth and in the alternate timeline, she was Ankle Shanker. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. She is also silly. Uh, the next yes. one is a commander. That... Okay. So I'm, I'm going to talk about this one. Oh, go for it. Go the, for it. The next four color one? Oh, please. Okay. So when I saw this one, um, it's like we mentioned Lindsay a little bit. That's my girlfriend. And she is a not blue player. Straight up just doesn't like playing blue. And this next one is the not blue thing of Saskia, or Saskia the Unyielding. And we don't know where she's from yet, but people are basically saying she's Balduvin, Balduvin, which is a deep, deep throwback to like the early days of Magic because of uh, her artwork and the Viking-esque look up to her. But she is 
a black, green, uh, black, red, green, white for a 3-4 Vigilant Haste human soldier. And she says, as she enters the battlefield, choose a player. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, it deals that much damage to the chosen player. So, so I hear you like stuffy dolls. Yeah. Also, <laughs> it's really, well, what's really funny about this one is that in 1v1, she would just like destroy you. One, <laughs> fight me 1v1, she will wreck you. Yeah. Um, basically, everything not blue is in this card. So it's the aggression deck. Um, basically, blue would prefer to sit down, slow down, study. This one's just like, no, she's calling you out. You, tonight, you. Uh, she is uh, very political, actually. Because you, you, you could be like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cast my commander. Who's the biggest threat? They hurt, as someone said, okay, who's playing uh, uh, Leovold? Yeah. <laughs> which was the, which was the uh, this, uh, black, green, and blue uh, three-color uh, elf yeah from conspiracy that's just like oh great this guy's broken yeah. it's like okay it's like who, who's playing the commander that everybody hates the most them they're now, the one i deal damage to the only downside is that sasuke doesn't help other people's creatures hit double um only yours which is fine it's fine um, you can just be like you can be like i'm just gonna swing at them twice i won't swing at you i might just peck at you with like a one one or a two two and you take that and they'll take two damage also, I love how black and red both get haste, and green and white both get vigilance. So, oh yeah, designers. Yeah, they did a great job, and like, yeah. <laughs> so that's good. Design. Is so, be sweet. John. Oh yeah. Um, I know Lindsay's gonna be playing that deck, and she's like, "Oh great, I have another format to beat you in." I'm like, "Yeah, thanks." <laughs> she she does beat me in pack wars and draft. So, yeah. But anyway, the two pair with her are Tana the Bloodsower, who is an elf druid. Uh, I believe she's from. She's she is from Plain Unknown, I believe. It doesn't specify. Okay, so she's a two green, or she's two red and green for a two-two uh, legendary elf druid with trample, and it says whenever she deals combat damage to a player, create that many plus or one-one green sapling creature tokens. Now that is a theme throughout this deck. Apparently, the only tokens that this deck creates are are sapling tokens. Huh, I did not know that. Uh, one of the articles was mentioning it. Ah, uh, I see. That read. Yeah, I, I did a deep dive on those articles. <laughs> there, there's some good stuff in there. Uh, if you have, if you get a chance to read through the articles, definitely read some of the design ones. Um, but we got two more uh, that is uh, that, that go with it. The other two partner commanders are Ravos Soltender, who's three black and or three white black for a two two human cleric with flying. It says other creatures you control get plus one plus one. And at the beginning of your upkeep, you may return target creature from your graveyard to your hand. He's pretty okay. Pretty good, especially in an aggressive deck where you're, you know, you can just play some cheap threats and recur them really easily, especially once it have like ETB if it entered the battlefield effects. So like, I don't know. Uh Siege Rhino. <laughs> yeah, Siege Rhino's good with <laughs> Siege Rhino's good with Ravos. I was thinking something along the lines of Shriek Maul. Nice, yeah, Shriek Maul's good too. Any one of those ones with hilarious ETB effects. And then the last one we have is Tynema the Weaver. There's one white black uh, for a 2-2 human cleric with lifelink. She reads, at the beginning of your post-combat main phase, so that's typically known as second main, uh, you may pay X life, where X is the number of opponents that were dealt combat damage this turn. If you do, draw X cards. This is a weird ability. Yeah, you, you basically, you could draw, pay one life, draw a card, as long as you dealt combat damage to an opponent, uh, if good. you deal 
if you just go now, now remember this is the aggressive crazy like aggro deck of the bunch you can just swing at everybody and then say i pay three life draw three cards yeah. but then again just ticked off three other people and and lightning bolted yourself but you're up three cards so it's one of those like mm. but she has lifelink though so she does help offset some of that yeah and you, and you do have to hit to, as well it's not just you know attack you do have to hit them to draw the cards um, and it's not and it's opponent that has to be dealt combat damage it's not opponent's creatures either yeah so Timna is definitely interesting um and definitely fits into the theme of the of the non-blue deck to be beating down and applying the beats directly to the she, forehead she's very very orzov in flavor though oh yes also we after having no black white legendary clerics in the past year we have three yeah we've got a lot because we had um Ailey and Oath, and then we have these two, so that's nice. Black white, black white cleric, uh, you know. Black white tribal. Yep. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have the anti-red one, and this this deck's theme was growth, because red doesn't care about sticking around very long, and the other colors can all get get behind, you know, just get a little bit stronger and stronger, or whatever. And then we have the first commander that was spoiled, Atraxa, Praetor's Voice, with amazing Ooh. art by Victor Adamaminguez. Oh my god. Oh man. The art's amazing. Um, oh, and by the way, if you heard Praetors and knew anything about lore, that's right. She's Phyrexian. Oh yes, she is she is definitely Phyrexian and oh my. So she is green, white, blue, black for a four four angel horror. Because that's always fun. She has Take a breath. She has flying lifelink flying vigilance death touch lifelink. That's four keyword abilities, kids. Yep, one for each color. And then at the beginning of your instep proliferate. So Proliferate is, again, you choose any number of permanents and or players with counters on them, then give each another counter of a kind already there. So this is plus one, plus one counters, minus one, minus one counters, charge counters, poison counters, energy, energy counters, planeswalker loyalty counters. Yeah. People are saying, I already hate Bant, or they are, they're already going to hate playing Atraxa Super Friends. Yeah, it's... <sighs> Atrax is a great card. It's just like she hits really hard. It's going to be really hard to block her. And also the fact that she proliferates every every end step is just silly. It's just she'll, oh. she'll swing it. She'll swing at you. She'll kill your blocker. She'll gain some life. She'll be there to block next turn or on your turns. It's disgusting. Yeah. yeah. Now straight gross, homie. The two color legends are starting with the enemy colored ones. We have Ikra Shidiki or Shidiki. The Usurper. 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 There we go. Uh, go. We don't have her card yet, but we know she's black-green. And uh, Shiriki was the person who, or the, not the person, the Naga, because she is definitely a snake person from Tarkir, who sold out Tassigur and why Silmgar is in in charge now. Oh, sassy Tassi. Get wrecked, homie. Get wrecked. (laughs) So... She's going to be having some fun with people, I assume. Yeah, we don't know anything about her yet. But we do have the other black-green commander, which is Rehan, last of the Abzan, who was last featured in Confall, which was probably the best story from that block. That was a pretty good one. Yeah. Well, Rehan is one black-green for a 0-0. Zero, zero. That's weird. Um, but she enters the battlefield with three plus-plus encounters, and then whenever a creature you control dies or is put into the command zone, uh, if it had one or more plus one plus encounters on it, you may put those on another creature. 
why it has the command zone is because you can send your commanders back to the command zone as a replacement effect, so they don't technically die. So yeah. that's so that Rayhan can move her counters around. So Rayhan can, and the other one in this set also utilizes counters, so it pairs up nicely with that. So what does that one do, John? So the last one is Ishai, Ojutai Dragon Speaker. Um, Ishai was spoiled today, and for the for the lore people, she is the person. She's an Aven, first off, and she is the person who translates for Dragonlord Ojutai to the people. Um, but she is two blue white for a bird monk. You thought bird wizards were bird monks are where it's at now, kids. Uh, Baller. One one flyer, and then whenever an opponent casts a spell, put a plus a plus one counter on Ishai Ojutai Dragon Speaker. Yep. So basically, your opponents are priced into making Ishai swole. Yeah. In a four-player game, I could easily see her getting two to three counters, if not more, just the turn after you cast her. Oh, yeah. And then if she sticks around for any longer, her buddy Rayhan is just going to be like, okay, cool, you got rid of my Ishai, and that's eight counters to this guy over here. On my whatevers. Yep. Yep. Um, also relevant, um, because there are people who are going to build a Traxa Infect, uh, the commander rules do not give a alternate poison limit for a commander. It is still technically 10 in your playgroup. You may decide that you want to go for 15 or 20. Those are the numbers that I've seen the most. Um, Listening oil shall be complete. <laughs> I will. Say I wonder who. I, I wonder I wonder who's going to build that deck, John. Is it Ian? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I will say. I will say that. Um, I am of the opinion that Infect should be 10 in Commander, and there's I have, I have my opinions, that, but that's a discussion for another time. But that's just my 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 two cents on that debate. Yeah, I, I don't play enough Commander to chip in on this one. Like, I have a mono-white deck, but that's about it. Yeah. I might I might start getting into it more if I get more people to play with, because some of these decks look amazing. I won't lie, so, I saw tracks. I was like, yeah, we'll play Super Friends. Everyone's like, I'm going to hate Super Friends. I'm like, I'm not going to play Super Friends. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. A big thing about Commander and the Commander product is that they are a great entryway into playing Commander, because if you and four buddies decide that you just want to go ahead and buy all the decks, you can sit down and play, and the decks are balanced against one another. So that's gonna, yeah. it's guaranteed to be a fun time. So what I've heard people do, too, is they'll buy these five decks, and then they'll sleeve them all up, put them in deck boxes, and they'll be like, hey, who wants to have a commander night? And instead of, like, you know, bringing your crazy, ridiculous ones you built, they're just like, all right, we'll draw lots, or they'll have, like, you know, a couple lands or whatever like that, you know, one of each color, and they'll, like, have them as the colors assigned to sleeves or whatever, and they'll be like, all right, here's your deck, here's your deck, here's your deck, here's your deck, whatever color you flip over, that's the deck you get, that's the deck you play with for that night. Yeah. It's a great way to do it, so that way you can randomize it, everyone gets experience with different decks, no one's like, this is my ridiculously broken deck that everybody hates playing against. You yeah. see them bring that, and you're just like, well, no, one's, no one's going to have fun. This yeah. guy's going to combo off on his own on turn three. Yeah. So, we still have one more commander, so just going to go back through real quick. Uh, Kionios and Tiro were the, um, what was the word? I already forgot what their theme was. Altruism. Altruism, that's what was the word. I was thinking apathy? No, that's wrong. No, altruism, because no. they're anti-black. Yidris is chaos, which is anti-white. Saskia is aggro, or aggression, which is anti-blue. Atraxa is growth, which is anti-red, which leaves us with Brea, Ethereum Sculptor, which is the anti-green, or artifice. So what does Brea do? Well, 
Let's sit down, kitties, because she is white, blue, black, red for a legendary artifact creature human. There is not enough space on the type line to add another subtype. Nope. <laughs> she, and she's a 4-4, and when she enters the battlefield, you create two 1-1 or two one one blue Thopter artifact creature tokens with flying. Because as she's from Esper, and they all do that same thing. And then top, you can top. pay two and sack two artifacts. Notably, she comes with two artifacts. And you can do one of one of three things. You can either deal three damage to a player, give a creature minus four, minus four, until end of turn, or gain five life. So this is going to be like Thopter, Foundry, Sword of the Meek, have fun? <laughs> Basically, this is going to be your artifact deck. Now, most of the artifact decks that you've seen in Commander now are usually going to be in the Esper colors, because Shroom the Hegemon is really good and is a combo engine in and of herself. Um, but Brea is also just really, really powerful. Um, four mana, four, four, that comes with two flying, two flying one ones is still good in commander, believe it or not. Um, also she works well with Panharmonicon. Um, oh. a, lot of, a lot of commander decks work well with Panharmonicon, I will say. Oh, I, I haven't gotten yeah. to that point yet, but a lot of them do. And she does a lot of silly things. So the rest of her commanders are, or her partner commanders are all artifact focused. Uh, we're going to go ahead and start with Silas Wren, Seeker Adept, which, flavor cut, is the guy who jumps Tezzeret in the Seeker organization, which causes Tezzeret later to have his spark ignite. Hmm. Yep. He, so, he, looks like a, he looks like a certain smug person we've talked about who raised the price of drugs and was going to get into magic one day. He has a very punchable face. Anyways, very punchable. Like, the most punchable face in magic. So Silas is one blue-black for a... 2-2 legendary artifact creature human as well. No more space in the type line. Uh, he has death touch. And then when he deals damage to a, combat damage to a player, you may choose an artifact card in your graveyard. You have to target it. And then you can cast that cast it that, that turn. This is the card that I've seen the most hype from, from non-commander players. Because I understand that hitting your opponent and casting your Black Lotus again is good. It's disgusting. It is. People, I know some people are like, eh, 2-2 death toucher, eh... How's he gonna get through? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 touch and go with with Silas. He's definitely a very cool build around for Commander. And oh, for sure. Yeah, and you just got to figure out a way to give him some evasion. Yeah, like Skulk or Flying or whatever. And Blue Black has no ways of doing that. Shadow. No ways at all. Uh, next, we have Akiri Line Slinger. Um, now we have her card spoiled. It, it was spoiled in German, but we do have a translation, thankfully. Uh, she is red-white for an O3 legendary core soldier ally, because she's from Zendikar, so she's an ally. Um, she has first strike and vigilance, okay, but she's an O3. O3. No, not to fear. Uh, she gets plus one, plus O for each artifact you control. Oh, yeah, so she's going to be... She loves the artifacts. So basically, you you throw out a bunch of junk, get it on the battlefield, tokens left and right. Remember, like, even Brea makes her already a 2-3. And, no, or Brea makes three, her a 3-3. Three, three, Three three right, you get her down because I forgot the artifact in the line. Yes, of Brea's massive chunk of words there. Uh, no, so yeah, so this is definitely going to be one. I mean, how, heck, you could even make like a red white ally equipment kind of centric deck with her, even like just ignoring the partner mechanic altogether. Like she seems like she'd be hilarious on her own. Uh, Akiri is the cheapest red white commander that we've gotten so far. A two-mana so, commander is insane. Akiri Voltron is definitely a thing that I've been thinking about uh, because, like, you put a you put a bone splitter on Akiri, and she goes from being an O three to a three three. And remember, kids, 
partner mechanic works not just within its own deck. You can pick any of these other par- cards with partner on there and throw it together some crazy deck with her. Yeah, if you want if you want a Mardu Vile Smasher Akiri deck, you certainly can. I mean, why not? Why not? Now, what about her buddy? Her buddy, oh man, oh man. So this guy, this guy. Uh, if you ever read flavor text on Zendikar and you see somebody who is slinging insults with the best of them, that's Bruce Tarl, Boorish Herder. <laughs> Love this guy. Oh, uh, Bruce. He has probably one of the best just like character arts in the entire, just like on his card, just some of the best art. So if you, so because you're listening to this and you're probably won't be able to look up the card art at the time, think old timey like 1900s boxer with like the huge mustache and like the big old pop belly and like the pants and just like and shaved head like let's go ha- let's have at it. A have better one you. that I saw is he's from the Armstrong family line. No. Boo. <laughs> Boorish. Yes, he's a boorish herder. He's two red white for a three three human ally. No other text. Um, and whenever he enters the battlefield or attacks, you can give a creature you control double strike and lifelink until end of turn. So what people were mentioning in some of these comments is you stick a Kiri down, get a bunch of things popped out, and then you pop bruise out and just go and hit you for double strike lifelink. Quack, quack. With vigilance because Akiri already has vigilance, and yeah, it's just silly. She already has first strike, but yeah, it's just but double strike is just like it's the creme de la creme. Oh yeah, she's got like because remember the Akiri text on her is essentially cranial plating on a card already. Yep, and unfortunately <laughs> you can't play cranial plating without getting another partner to add to your deck, which is why I mentioned um, which is why I mentioned the black red file smasher. smasher, or you can go black white and pick Ravos or Timna. Doesn't matter. Well, yeah, but the, it's just it's just the cranial plating effect kind yes, of thing. Of course, and that's all the commanders. That took a little less time than I thought it would. Yeah, well, I mean, we kind of we didn't really cover to go dig too deep into them, but they are. I have to say, we have three left to spoil. Yes, we'll probably get them tomorrow. Probably. So by the time you're hearing this, they'll probably already be out. But I don't even really play commander often, and these cards are just like these look fun. Like oh, yes. the the thing we were like we when we first got the announcement back. In the spring, they were doing four color commanders. John and I covered, like we mentioned, the Nephilim, which were from original Ravnica, which were the only other four color cards, but not legendary, so they couldn't be commanders. And people have been clamoring for a four color com- commander for a while. But it's like, why don't we just play five? It's like, well, I don't want the fifth color. I just want these four. We were worried about how they would handle the, how do you make this a not X color card? I think with the four color cards, they've done an amazing job. Does everything you want, like... For Brea, in, for instance, um, you're sacrificing, so that's black. You've got direct damage to a creature, that's red. You've got the negative four, negative four, which is black again. You've got gain f- five life, which is white, and you're getting thopters, which is blue. It's they're doing every they did everything and identified the one thing that each color does not like, and didn't include in the card. Yeah. It's great, and and partner looks to be hilarious. Yeah, the fact that there are, again, 105 different partner combinations that you can make means that you are you are bound to run into somebody who is running these partners, and you might just run into a different deck every other week. Like, oh, this time I'm going to try my uh, my Ludovic Silas deck. What? I don't understand. Or like, oh. you know, I'm going to do, uh, do uh, Ravos Thrasios. Huh? <laughs> yeah, so the, the funny part is, is I saw the like one of the best tweets about this whole partner mechanic is... Was from EDH Rec, which is the uh, 
EDH recommendations website. EDH rec is a great website. If you want to build your own commander and don't know where to start, you're like, I want to be, be these colors. You can go there, suggest that, like pick the colors you want or pick a card you want to build with. And they have an archive of all the decks and stuff like that, that fall under those color combinations. And they're like, so you're telling me we've got to somehow figure out partner and add 105 different color combinations to our library now. Great. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. it was more of a WTF moment for that for them for that. So um, go check them out though if you're interested in Commander at all, because yes. they are a great site. I've actually used honestly, I've used the website when I was building my. It was one of the resources I used when I was building my. Uh, when I was looking at my Canadian Highlander stuff for the, the mana base. To be perfectly honest with you, because yeah. I want to see a mana base for a three color deck, and it's. EDH is a great place to go for a singleton format mana yeah. base. There are definitely more people playing Commander than Canadian Highlander, and the people in Commander who want to be good, they've already solved the mana base problem. Speaking of mana bases, speaking, not even the rare lands, dude, the basic lands in this set. Oh, the basic lands look great. We have three versions of each basic land from artists Kev Walker, Mark Poole, and Rebecca Gay. Yes. Um, it's all the, all of them are great. My, they're oh, the art, the basic land art is fantastic. Um, it brought up a, uh, a, a debate that has happened fairly often now of why doesn't Wizards just always print full color land or full, full art lands? Um, because these would also look great in full art, but I don't know. Um, they, they, and Mark Rosewater had an article saying like, it's kind of one of those Christmassy things. It's like, well, and I've, I've seen the counter arguments that now being like, well, you're giving us expeditions in every set now. What's like, we've already broached that. Let's go to, let's go to Florence. But the, the real fun thing is some of my friends do a format called vintage artists constructed, That's a hell which of a is, format, by the way. Oh, it's an insane format. So what the artist thing comes into play is you pick an artist. They have to have had lands done. So you need lands for mana. So it's vintage. But based around the artist in particular. So one of the funniest corner cases I love bringing up in this is uh, the late Christopher Rush. He never did a mountain, yet his most one of his most iconic cards, I can't say the most iconic card because it's Black Lotus, of course. But one of his most iconic cards is the original Lightning Bolt. The Christopher Rush Vintage Artist Constructed deck cannot cast Lightning Bolt unless they use uh, the mana off of a Black Lotus. That's hilarious. Yeah, because he never did a mountain. He did every other. He did one of every other color, but red. <laughs> that's that's a weird fact. Um, yeah. So anyway, basically, you're restricted to all the cards by a certain artists. So people are like, one of the uh, big things was I think it was like Esper uh, Eric Deschamps was like a super friend style deck because he's done a lot of planeswalkers in white and blue, like um, Elspeth. Venser. I think, he, uh, I think he, Yeah, Venser. Um, yeah. So he's got some of that, but. The big thing is Rebecca Gay, Mark Poole, and Kev Walker got one of each. So now those entire artists' collect, like libraries of cards are now unlocked for vintage constructed or vintage artists constructed, and they're losing their minds over it. <laughs> it's funny that I have no desire to get into, but I will watch from afar and just be like, "Yeah, you go, guys." Well, it's it's one of those things. Like it's it's not going to be as it's not going to be the next Pro Tour format. No, it's not going to be even the next frontier it's just a thing a bunch of friends like to do and it like gp big gps i know they're gonna have i'm gonna build one for gp vegas because a lot of them are gonna be there 
it's the next tournament where we know a lot of people are going to be who play vintage arts constructed and i want to get a deck together i was thinking john avon hates your stuff mm. as my deck name because he's done a lot of like he's done maelstrom pulses a lot of things that like make you sacrifice creatures and jund and all that it's basically gonna be a jund deck jund him out but exactly. no and we so you also discovered um the source for the rare lands that were unveiled today some of them yes so they're the odyssey filter lands which are basically you pay one and tap it and then you make two of a color so like you pay one tap and add blue black then they're the buddy or check lands depending on who you talk to those are the dragon skull summit um the rootbound crag the ones that come into play untapped if you control a x or a y uh, and then the last one was the Pain Lands. So these are the ally Pain Lands that we've seen. We don't know how many of each are printed or if it's the full all 10 of them from from the Buddy Land and the Pain Land cycle or well, if we're getting enemy colored of the Odyssey Filter Lands. We don't know yet. Well, um, friend of the show, Carrie uh, Vronos on Twitter, uh, actually made a great comment about some of these lands and stuff like that, like the ones to look out for. Uh, are going to be ones that have kind of plain lock names um, due to storyline. Like we've already seen, uh, what's it, what's his name? The uh, oh wow, just completely blanking on it here. Uh, Sidar Kondo, yes. um, who we last saw way back on um, another plane, like in Dominaria area and stuff like that, that we haven't seen since way back when. Like we can't see stuff like Caves of Quillos. Yeah, they brought Caves of Quillos back with reprints and stuff in bait, uh, corsets, but we can't get corsets anymore. So this is a great place for stuff like Carplusion Forest, which was spoiled, that has a plain lock name that we can't really go back to without some sort of like functional reprint on Painlands. We've already seen Carplusion Forest and a Caves of Koilos in there. So we might end up seeing, you know, those two or enemy colored and ally colored ones, whether or not we see the remainder of the cycles of both of the other sets, you know, We'll see if that happens or not. But just the fact that we got Caves of Coilos kind of hints that we might see a full paint cycle reprint, which yeah. is sorely needed. They, they certainly are. Um, and also these these um, the, the, those lands are going to help and because they're also fairly budget options as well. And them printing in the set like this, it's going to be in big box stores. It's going to be at Target at Walmart. Um, it'll make those prices go down a little bit more as well. Right. Um, hopefully hopefully we can get more of this product out there. I mean, yeah, it's all going to have the new frame, but from the looks of it, it retains all the old art, which is yes. amazing. With, um, I think, the exception of Carpoosin Forest, which is using its 10th edition-ish yeah, printing. I think they're going to be using all the, the 10th edition art for the for the Allied Pain Lands of the the, the most recent printings of yes. those. Yeah. Um, also, uh, real quick, to help you with your mana problems, in case you were wondering, uh, they're reprinting Commander's Sphere, which is a great card. It was originally printed in the monocolor decks, which was weird because it didn't need the mana fixing. Uh, just a three mana tap for any color of your commander, and you can sack it to draw a card. And also, they're putting Chromatic Lantern in some of the decks, which is going to be Woo! nice. Getting that back. Um, they also have a Prismatic Geoscope. I don't know if that's a reprint or not. It's not. It's new. Okay, so that's a five mana artifact. Enters the battlefield tapped. It has Domain, where you tap it and add X mana in any co combination of colors to your mana pool, where X is the number of basic land types among lands you control. My guess is they're going to have some sort of fetchable lands in here, or fetch-ish style, so... Like, they could put the slow fetches well, in from Mirage, but they're going to have Evolving Wilds and Tireless Tracker, and they've already... Tireless Tracker? Of, not Tireless Tracker, Terramorphic Terramorphic Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. No, you're, you're just used to the... 
Yeah. Uh, evolving Wilds. Tracker, play Evolving Wilds, Crack Evolving Wilds. No. Um, <laughs> standard, baby. Standard, yeah. Um, and then a bunch of basic land cyclers as well to help make sure that you can cast your spells. Um, real quick, we don't... So, real quick, we have some notable reprints. I'm not going to say what they do, but we have Beacon of Unrest, Oath of Druids, Eroes God of Victory, first reprint of any of the Theros gods, by the way. Which uh, is huge. Which is huge. Because uh, everyone's Hannah, like, where, where are we going to get them again, if at all? Yeah. Uh, Hannah's Ship's Navigator, which is using the Judge Foil art, or the Judge Promo art, by Therese Nielsen, which is amazing. So great. And Zedru the Great Hearted. I know, right? Like, there, there are prints, some spicy reprints. I know Zedru um, kind of jumped a little bit there, seeing a lot of play, but obviously Zedru is going in the, the uh, pillow, front, pillow Fort. Oh, yes. Zedru is everybody's favorite Minotaur. <laughs> she is a Minotaur. It's, yeah. It's like, you don't think that from the look of it. Like, you think she's a goat, but no, she's a Minotaur. She's definitely a Minotaur. Uh, there's yeah. also a bunch of other sweet cards that we have. Like, there's a card. I know that Ian's going to be putting Selfless Squire in his Nahiri deck. Oh my gosh! So Selfless Squire is a ridiculous card. So it's fog on a stick, but with a cool little twist. So it's a three three and a white one one human soldier. Now I mentioned my deck that I have is mono white soldier angel deck. Uh, it has flash, obviously, as you would need with a fog on a creature. Uh, but it says when it enters the battlefield, prevent all damage that will be dealt to you this turn. Whenever damage that way will be dealt to you is prevented, or whatever. Whenever, yeah, whenever that. Damage that would be dealt to is prevented. Put that many plus one plus one counters on Selfless Squire. Selfless this Squire is your, also works with fogs, by the way. This is your oh crap button that you just go bloop. Oh, you were going to swing at me for 20. Now it's a 21-21. Boom, baby. Oh, and by the way, all your creatures didn't deal damage to me that turn and are tapped. Oh, and swing at you for 21. Selfless Squire also is a huge blowout with first strike. <gasps> yeah. So good. Yeah. Um, also, um, there's a new keyword called Undaunted. It's basically a... Things cost less the more opponents you have. So, for example, they have Sublime Exhalation, which is six and a white for a sorcery. It's destroy all creatures, but it costs one less for each opponent. So, heads up, it costs six mana, but in a four-player game, it costs four mana, which is great. Yeah, it, they're they're really experiencing some... They're experimenting with... Yeah, experimenting with some really cool mechanics um, in this... The designs seem to be hilarious. Like, oh, one of the best ones is um, <laughs> so deep glow skate. <laughs> for oh, those yes. of you who, for those of you who like insane counter shenanigans and blink shenanigans, this I do, is a. I do. Me, me. I know. Me. It's a four and a blue three three creature fish. When deep deep glow skate enters the battlefield, double the number of each kind of counter on any number of target permanents. It's doubling season on a body. The, the best name I saw for this, it's Doubling C Sun. <laughs> you can have someone, you can have Star Con Volkswagen to thank for that one. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> also, uh, if you want to know how to make this silly, uh, Deep Glow Skate, Pinted Prism with two counters on it, and Dead Eye Navigator, you're welcome. Uh, Venser the Sojourner. Yeah, but mine goes infinite. But mine is just hilarious. So Venser, Venser's a planeswalker, by the way, who's, who's three and a three white blue with for a th- uh, three loyalty planeswalker. His plus two says exile target permanent you own, return to the battlefield under your control at the beginning of the next end step. So you play Venser, you play Deep Glow Skate, or you play Venser, you know, tick him up. He's at five. Then the next turn you play Deep Glow Skate. Venser goes to ten. Then you exile Deep Glow Skate. Venser goes down to eight. Deep Glow Skate comes back. Venser's now at 16. 
Oh, his alt, by the way, is minus eight. So therefore, you already can do it the next turn when you untap. It says whenever you get an you get an emblem with whenever you cast a spell, exile target permanent. Yeah, venture. If you've ever won through a venture emblem, it is a wonderful experience. If you've ever lost with a venture emblem in play, you feel terrible. <laughs> you should basically be like, oh, I should have won. Yeah. But this card is hilarious. This this set looks amazing. I know. I'm probably going to pick some of this up and oh, it's going to be fantastic. Like this set is, it already has a bunch of the cards that the regular commander players, like people who are like, you know what? Maybe this isn't going to be, I don't, four colors aren't for me. Well, then you have, you know, your doubling season on a stick and then you have, you know, Oh, these undaunted cards seem really sweet or, Oh, Hey, there's, there's this reprint of Oath of Druid, which is a really silly card in multiplayer. And you know, Hey, maybe this, this two, this uh, gold card is going to appeal to me or whatever. Yeah. We mentioned Legacy. There's a card that people are like considering, hey, this might be anti-show-and-tell tech in Fairy Artisans. Oh, yeah, that card? <laughs> yeah. So Fairy Artisans is a three, three and a blue, two, two flying Fairy Artificer. Whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, create a token that's a copy of that creature, except it's an artifact in addition to its other types. Then exile all their tokens created with Fairy Artisans. Now, Show and Tell will basically try to cheat out an Emrakul. So your opponent will be like, all right, cheat out an Emrakul. And you're like, Fairy Artisans as my reveal. Copy your Emrakul. Have fun swinging into my copied Emrakul. <laughs> also, I attack with my copied Emrakul first. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> basically. Also, and the, the, one, uh, the one card, because basically at that point, they're just going to be annihilating everything, right? Uh... Yeah, if they cast it on turn three, they have three lands, and then they have an Emrakul in play, yeah, they just lose on the spot. Like, they just have to concede. Yeah, um, but one that's going to get in my commander deck, not even just the Squire, is Conqueror's Flail. It's a two-mana artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one for each color among permits you control, so it's only going to get plus two, plus two. Or it's only going to get plus one, plus one. But it says, as long as Conqueror's Flail is attached to a creature, your opponent can't cast spells during your turn. Lol. Hateful. Hateful. It is. It is pretty hateful. Anyway, like I don't even. I don't even care about the plus bonus. Just give me the hatefulness. Mm. I mean, Grand Abolisher's a card. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Well, in any case, I think that's gonna do it for today, because the rest of the spoilers are gonna be coming out, and we're gonna have a lot of fun things to say about them later on. Um, next week, I don't know what we're gonna do yet. Mailbag. Mailbag. We'll put out. We'll put out some mailbag tweets. After this episode goes live, we should do it next week, next week, or next week or the week after. Yes, for mailbag for sure. Of course, we'll uh, probably talk. We'll probably talk the rest of the spoilers next week and mailbag week after. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully there's some more stuff that comes out that's going to be really sweet and special. But anyway, questions in, kids. Ian, where can people find yes. you on social media? Oh, okay. You guys can find me at uh, on Twitter at DixonIJ. That's D I X O N I J. And you can also find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Dix. Uh, I just did a, um, it's D-I-X, I just did a box opening of Kaladesh that I got for free. And Karma kind of bit me, but I did get a foil Verdus Gear Hulk in my very last pack. So we ended off with a decent bang there. But I'm going to be playing some more Magic coming up. Um, work, life, crazy. It'll settle down December. Those are first time. Well, yeah, we're going <laughs> to us. But anyway, so John, where can they find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at jwiley129. I'm also on Twitch by the same handle. Again, if I could be streaming, I would. Um, if you want to reach the podcast directly, you can reach us on Twitter at Eyes of the Mize. Or if you have a more personal question, you can shoot us an email at eyesofthemize at gmail.com. Please give us your feedback. We would love to hear how we can help make the show better for you. And also get some questions in because we're going to be doing a mailbag. In any case, mailbag. that's going to 
Mailbag. Anyways, uh, that's going to do it for us. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.